we're continuing this series called Word to the Wise. I'm grateful to be able to follow uh, several other pastors who have been able to bring a strong message over these last several weeks of the summer, and uh, I'm grateful to be able to join with those as well. Proverbs chapter 29 is where we'll be in just a moment, and we're going to talk about uh, something that I think we all relate to, especially right now. Uh, if we were to think through some of the, the difficulties that we're walking, one of the natural reflections, reactions, responses out of that that is not hard to, to find is anger. And so this morning, I want to talk about what it looks like for us to really confront the boiling points of life, and that's different for each of us. Uh, these boiling points really uh, reflect out of what God is doing in our life sometimes, and He uses both good and bad uh, to pull out things that are in our heart. Uh, in the New Testament, we may uh, look to the writer in the book of James, he kind of points to this Old Testament truth. We see this scripture in James chapter 1. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. A lot of us are off right there. Uh, and then he says this, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It's, it's as if God doesn't need us to respond or react half the time, at least in the way that is natural to us. In the Old Testament, we look to so many of the, the uh, characters that uh, we could point to, but the one that came to my mind was Jonah. Uh, Jonah begins to really deal with this issue of anger. Uh, truthfully, if you read through Jonah, you begin to see he's got issues in all sorts of ways when it comes to how he uh, confronts other races and ethnic groups that are not like his. Uh, and it produces within Jonah an anger because, one, he identifies who God is. God is righteous and he's slow to anger. And then it begins to boil over into how he believes he has a right to be angry. In that chapter four of this little book of Jonah, we see God ask him the question, uh, do you do well? because of your anger. In other words, he's saying, do you really have a right to be angry? Let's process this, Jonah. And Jonah responds and says, yes, I do. Verse 9, he says, I have the right to be angry. Uh, and, and he begins to bubble over uh, out of what is happening in his life. And it gives us a, a point that I think we need to uh, focus around this day, this idea of anger. It, it really is what counselors and psychologists would call a secondary emotion. In other words, there's something under the surface that's producing a response of anger. This can be anxiety. I think as I read through some of these uh, root causes, what we're walking through right now in this pandemic, uh, anxiety can produce anger, frustration, embarrassment, shame, sadness. Uh, I, I look at this idea of fear and how the response when we become fearful can be angry hurt, uh, one that is, is uh, in many ways very prevalent, I think, that we're walking through in loss. That when, if we were to look at Jonah's life, the thing that he thought God was going to do and the way he was going to do it, it, it looked totally different, and Jonah had a sense of loss in the midst of that. I've given up everything for this. This is not what I thought it was going to be. And so when I think through what it means to, to have a boiling point of anger, it is really oftentimes out of an experience that I've had in life. It, it's something that has an impact on me, and it also has a spiritual impact in my life when I allow it to root itself in. And so the issue this morning is not as much anger. The issue is how we mismanage and how we misplace that anger. 
And so here's the writer of Proverbs, uh, so wise in, in how the uh, writer in different, different expressions begins to uh, give us this idea of, of navigating our life, how we would please God, and as well how we could bless others around us. Proverbs at its root has this idea of being parallel. So it's, it's wisdom by way of comparison. So uh, we love to read Proverbs because it's simple. Can we say that? Uh, it's, it's simple. It brings it down to bare bones and says, all right, there's a fool and there's a wise person. Which one are you? And you're like, well, I don't know. Uh, there's somebody who's just and there's somebody who is unjust. There is someone who breeds violence and someone who is a peacemaker. And Scripture begins to say over and over when it comes to this idea of anger, at least unrestrained anger, is it impacts your life. It impacts the people that are around you. For sure, it begins to reveal your heart. And so I want us to do that today. Can we, as we read just a few verses, they're going to be really simple and short verses this morning, but I want you to begin to see that God's Word mines out places in our heart that sometimes are dark. And so as I focus around the idea of his word today, uh, maybe there is something that he brings to my mind and he brings to my heart that really is out of character, out of sorts uh, with where God needs me to be today. And so here, let's do this together. Let's look and see just a couple of Proverbs this morning. We'll read a few together, uh, but a couple of main Proverbs in chapter 29 uh, where the writer begins to wisely help us to avoid mismanaging and misplacing our anger. Let's read passage number one, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. Maybe this is familiar to you. Here's what it says. A fool gives full vent to his spirit. Many translations use this word anger. A fool gives full vent to his spirit or to his anger, but a wise man quietly holds it back. And so how, Father, can I represent you well? How do I bless others that are around me in a way that is honest and truthful and reflects who God is. Jonah identified that from the very beginning. God who is righteous and who is slow to anger. Who is slow to anger. And and the first way, this simply just says that we have to avoid acting like a fool. We have to avoid being a fool. And, you know, we have to walk through this in a way uh, that we understand what does Proverbs Uh, really bring down when it says fool. Well, a fool is described as someone who hates wisdom. They hate knowledge. They're they're arrogant in their heart. They're rebellious in their actions. They're impulsive. They are unrepentant. And I think what we'll see a little bit later, they are the ones that we are told to avoid in life. Uh, they, They impact not only their life, but those that are around them so often. And so here's what a fool does, Proverbs 29, 11. It says that a fool gives full vent to his anger. There's no filter. There's no restraint in any fashion. Um, I look at it this way. There's a couple of people that ride in a car. There are those of you that are max AC people, and you control everything from uh, really the fan speed. That's it, just fan speed. If it's hot, you're like, oh, turn fan speed up. If, it's, if it begins to be chilly, you turn fan speed down. And then there's the rest of us that are normal who use a thing called automatic. And you just push that one button and the car begins to look and through the sensors and magic that it has, it begins to say, hey, let's control the climate for everyone in the car. I know that life seems to revolve around you, especially those that shut off the vents for the passengers. That's cruel and it's foolish. Uh, but for those who say, I'll trust that you 
that this, this, this climate control system can actually adjust to the things that are happening. And the max AC says, I'm going to give you full vent, brother. It's going to dry out your eyes. You're going to be angry at some point, but that's what you want. You brought it on yourself. Here's full vent. Uh, the passage, literally, if we look at the, the, the verb, it's used here and a couple of other psalms. And here's what it begins to point to. It's an angry sea. It's violent waves. It's, it's this idea that there is a damage that comes when there is no restraint from the force of the ocean. We've seen this in the Houston area uh, when hurricanes have moved through and we've seen what it looks like to have full vent, a raging storm that is not controllable in any fashion. It's unrestrained. It has no filter. He said this is what it looks like for the fool who believes he's justified and right by his or her actions. Listen to this quote. I, I didn't show this to you earlier. Uh, it says this, there was a man, or sorry, there was never a man, an angry man that thought that his anger was unjust. Think through that. There was never an angry man that thought his anger unjust. See, even the fool can justify the actions that he or she's choosing. Uh, but there's a there's a lack of wisdom that's at place because of how we do it. It's misplaced. It's mismanaged anger. It's one that just simply pours out. It's unchecked. It impacts everyone that's around you. Uh, if I think of this idea of uh, air conditioning in a car, my wife's vehicle went out uh, um, the dual climate control. Okay, so it goes out like three weeks ago. Um, we lasted about two days. I'm like, get it fixed. Uh, and so as, as we are driving one Sunday, it was just after church, it just happened. Uh, we get in the car, we're going to go somewhere to eat and we turn the air on. She actually has a button that says max AC and it teases me all the time. And so we begin to, uh, we pull out and I put it on and I'm like, wow, oh, this, it's not really cooling as it seems. And so I put my hand to the vent and I'm like, well, it feels somewhat cool. And I put my hand to this vent and I'm like, this is cooler. And so I put my hand on her side of the vent. She hadn't gotten in the car yet. And it's like scalding hot. Like it, it just somehow in the, the climate, I look immediately to what it's saying. And on the temperature gauge, it says, no, it's cold. I'm giving you cold. I'm giving you cold. And she's like, no, no, no. All you're giving me is heat. You're melting my face. And, and, and so the problem becomes that I just continue to dial it up, dial it up. And we've got two people now that are venting on each side of the car, spewing what we believe to be right and true, and it's impacting everyone else that's in the cabin. No one else is cool. Everyone else is impacted. And here is this idea of a fool who is justified in saying, I have a right to demand. I have a right to be angry, Jonah. But wisdom takes a different path. Wisdom looks different. This verse in verse 11 says, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Listen, this verse is not saying, but a wise man or a godly man never has anger. It's saying the wise man knows how to express it. The wise man considers the name that he represents. The wise man begins to think that it's not just about me feeling like I can unload my burden and allow you or the others that are in the cabin of the car with me to now shoulder something that was really my root cause, the thing that I was struggling with, the sense of loss or abandonment or of grief or of uh, anger or whatever uh, that, that, that dwelt uh, in our hearts that boiled over into a place of anger. 
Wisdom has another path. We read Psalm, uh, sorry, Proverbs 29.11, but look at Proverbs 19.11. It says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. You think of that. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Uh, Psalm 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger. It's just wise for you and I to choose, listen, not to, to do this on our own strength, but to allow God to work from the inside out to produce the kind of character trait that he is known to have. A God who is righteous, slow to anger, abounding in love. This is what wisdom looks like for us. Slow to anger refuses to set up a, a pre-written script. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, where you know it's going to be a hard meeting, and so you've already cast all of the parts. This person's going to play the diabolical evil person, uh, and, and you, you've got it all written out. You walk into the, the conversation um, like three uh, depths later. If I say this, they're going to say this, and then I'm going to zing them with that. You're right? You begin to, to forecast how the conversation's going to go in order that you would be justified and that you would be right. And this says a a, a wise person is slow to anger. They don't have a pre-written script. There's no parts that are casted. I don't have to uh, predetermine nor judge the heart nor the intention of the other man or the other woman. And what they do is on them, but I choose instead uh, to respond out of a place of love, being slow to anger. Slow to anger also means that I can overlook an offense. How? How do you do that? I mean, I don't know the intricate details of your life. When I say uh, you overlook an offense, the vast majority of, of the people that are listening are going to think about a very concrete thing. You're going to think about something that has offended you. It's not um, a hypothetical. It's a real struggle. It's a real strife. It, it involves real people that you are uh, in relationship with now or maybe you are no longer in relationship because of what took place. And I just ask the question, how generically, not knowing your reason, but I know the answer is the same. In part, I'm able to respond in some fashion to overlook an offense, the greater, uh, and more and more as I look to what God has overlooked in, in my life. If I want to become slow to anger, I look and see God as the example. If I want to uh, ask the question, how do I overlook this offense? This is deep. This was personal I look and I say, what has God done to show this example to me? His grace. His grace is the example. And it doesn't matter what you fill in as the concrete obstacle that would be placed in front of His grace. His grace is stronger. His grace is able to overcome and to overlook. And how do I avoid acting like a fool? Well, listen to this. Wisdom helps We're going to be a wise man or woman, according to Proverbs. Wisdom helps me, helps us to avoid aggression by clarifying my real intention. And I think this is practical today, all right? So you're watching on Facebook. Is that right? This is is on Facebook? Okay. Um, So you're watching on Facebook, which is already ironic. You're watching church on Facebook where most of your contention probably has played itself out over the last few days. Uh, and, And here is an option that you have. Someone in the next three to 20 seconds will say something that will offend you on Facebook. 
It's going to happen. Something that you don't agree with, something you feel justified in standing against, something that you feel like you have to right the wrong or you have to speak against the, the a fallacy, you have to post something. And I'm just saying perhaps one way of acting less like a fool is to feel that you've got to post everything, to feel that you've got to respond to every injustice, that God actually needs you to defend him. So that's part of what I think it means to walk this in real life. Do I need to say this? Do I need to justify or defend myself? Sometimes that's hard for us to work through, that I don't, I don't want to have this perception or this reputation, and yet here is the Lord who is saying, I got this. You can trust me in this. You don't have to stand for yourself or defend yourself so many times. Is it my right to say this thing? Maybe the question should be, is my right all right? And so easy to, to preach, but man, hard to, to walk sometimes, isn't it, right? You know, we can be right on the right side of the facts, the right side of information, the right side of a, a doctrine, and still act wrong. You can be right and still act like a fool, because the fool has full vent. Not only do you prove that you are right, but you'll prove that he is wrong, and you'll tell him, and you'll crush the enemy, right? Uh, and we begin to make these things more about us than about the one that we represent. Am I good at indicting others and excusing myself? Maybe we get personal and we say, maybe we look towards our past 10 years of friendships. And do we still have those friendships or do we see one crime scene after another? One place where we've exploded another relationship because we had to say something. It had to be spoken. And I'm just saying maybe for us to avoid acting like a fool, maybe there needs to be a, a rain on closing the full vent to our anger, the full vent to our reaction, the full way that we respond at different times. Here's what I think Proverbs would give us this morning, that we all act like a fool at some scene in life. I mean, we've all done this, right? We've all overreacted. Uh, we have walked out of a situation and thought, well, that escalated quickly, uh, you know, and we were the one that caused the escalation. Uh, we've all felt like that, but the writer of Proverbs says it's one thing to act a fool and play the part in a scene. It is something altogether different to be typecast for the role for the rest of your life. And the choices that you make and how you interact with those that are around you, even those that are the closest to you that see this, maybe brings us to a place of asking the question, is anger my norm? I mean, is that my default? Uh, for many, let me pick on the guys a little bit as we move into this second point. Um, it becomes our default because it becomes an excuse. Let's read this passage and then we'll kind of center on uh, this, this second last thought this morning. Proverbs 29, if you move down a few verses in uh, verse 22, here's what it reads. It says, a man of wrath stirs up strife and one given to anger causes much transgression. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. And so the first thought we looked at, we said we, we need to avoid mismanaging and misplacing our anger. How? By avoid acting like a fool, by, by exploding in such a way that we just uh, spill over into every other person's life next to us. The second thought is that we avoid excusing what we call a fuse. 
You've heard this. I don't know if you've used it, but you've heard it, right? You can't hold me accountable because I told you I have a short fuse. My dad had a short fuse. His dad had a short fuse, right? And we began to use this as an excuse for our anger and how we explode on other people. The verse in verse 22 says that a man of wrath, this word can literally mean an owner of wrath. This is saying the one who chooses to live and and react like this, you will own all of it, both the way that you vent that anger and the way that you will have consequences because of your stupidity. And he says this is an owner of wrath. This man becomes not only used to it, uh, but it's his natural bent. He, he creates a fight if there's not one that's there. Uh, an owner of wrath is someone who always has a reason or an excuse to release anger. He is at home or she is at home in conflict. If it's not there, they'll start it. In fact, they breed conflict from one relationship and one scene to the next. Their actions lead to sin. And here's the problem that Proverbs begins to say is not only does Uh, The actions of this man of wrath produce sin from his own choices, but there's consequences that help pull another person into patterns of sin. And so it's bigger than just us. It's not about our fuse. There's something that God's doing interpersonally in relationships that we are either sharpened by or that we dull the edge of the knife constantly from friction. And here we watch and see this idea of an excuse over and over. I've got a short fuse. Maybe you should ask this as a different question. Is there an anger problem? Now, don't ask yourself, man. You've got to know you can't trust yourself. Ask the person that's closest to you. Ask the person that rides shotgun in life over and over. That you look at and say, no, I've got it set on max AC. It can't be hot over there. And they're like, I don't know what you think is happening, but, but you're, you're doing nothing but spewing face-melting stuff on me. Like, you're not helping right now. All you're doing is causing more strife and more problems. This owner of wrath is someone who has the inability to check their anger. And we said this earlier, unchecked anger leads to sin. Did you hear me? Unchecked anger leads to sin destroys relationships. Listen to my words. Unchecked anger destroys marriages. It destroys lifelong friendships. And, and I can't wait for my friend to start. I can't wait for my spouse to start. It's a, it's a deep heart hole that brings me to say again and again, there is a spiritual need, God. There's a brokenness in my life. And it's not about me pretending I'm going to ask the question and be honest with myself and what your spirit is revealing. Do I have an anger issue? And maybe you need to ask your spouse that. Do I, do I choose anger as the first thing that's off the shelf? Listen, it's the easiest one to choose, especially today, because you have a right to be angry. That's what your social media feed tells you. Someone's coming for something to take away rights, to take away something that you have fought so hard or that you were given things that are blessings. I'm not saying they're bad things. They're good things. But in the way you respond, especially, I believe right now, especially in a sense of loss, that we see men and women acting like fools and responding in God-dishonoring ways because they have lost what they believe they earned. At the heart of the gospel, we are already out of place. 
It is not about what I earn. It is about the goodness of God. And if I want to reflect him, I look to his character. What is his character? Well, one of the first things that we see, of course, is that he's loving, of course, that he's righteous, but we cannot go far in the Old Testament until we come across this passage. It was read earlier in the scripture reading, who is slow to anger, who is slow to anger. Short-fused people struggle being slow to anger because they've told themselves a lie that they have an excuse in a fuse. And I think Scripture is saying, Proverbs is saying, it's not an excuse. Look at verse 23. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. One's pride, this elevated view of who I am, of myself, will become humbled. In, in other words, a realistic view of who I really am and how my actions really do impact others. But someone who is walking in humility, uh, we translate that just simply to say uh, an accurate view of who I am and of who God is, both in my relationship with him and how I live for him, that walk of humility produces an honor. In my reputation, yeah, but an honor for the name of the one that we serve, who has given us grace upon grace upon grace, who has been slow to anger and has proved himself to be faithful and true. Short-fused people are recognized by a pretty specific easy thing. They just have outbursts constantly, uh, but not only these outbursts of anger, they are, they are contagious. Look in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24 and 25, kind of as a way we uh, can respond wisely. It says, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you, listen to this, learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. easiest way for me to grasp this passage is the word that we have seen over and over in this pandemic, contagious. Anger becomes contagious if it's not checked. I, I present what the normal response is when my wife and I have a disagreement and we set a bar and then we just ratchet up, right? And I'll go as long as you want to go. I'm going to win this, right? And it, anger left unchecked it produces something that's contagious to everyone that's around us. It says this is the normal response. This is how you get things done. We teach our children, this is how you get things done. You go and you demand. I've got a, a, one of our daughters right now who works in kind of a, a customer service uh, industry. And I can tell you the Karens are real in the world. Um, like her, her examples that she brings to me are just astounding. Uh, and, and if your name actually is Karen, can I apologize on behalf of our culture right now? Um, you don't represent everything about this. But listen, you, you've seen it. You've been a part of it. She experiences this on a daily basis. And my first response is, isn't it sad um, that that's an adult? That they have reached three, four, five, six decades of life, and they actually believe that that is going to produce anything of substance and friendship. And so here, wisdom says there's a different path that you can take. Don't excuse someone else's fuse. Avoid these relationships. Uh, you know, a ticking time bomb can be camouflaged, but when it explodes, when it explodes, it can't be overlooked. The damage is obvious, not just to the person, but to the collateral damage that they are in, uh, have in life uh, this, this is a, a, a challenge, um, as I thought this week, when it comes to real, real issues. Um, when we deal with anger, it, it 
can boil over into things that not are just hard, but things, uh, listen, that are abusive. Um, emotional abuse, physical abuse, multiple other ways that anger can boil over into a relationship in a way that becomes toxic. And uh, I just got to say, if that's what you're struggling with, the scripture says today, it won't stop. Unless God roots something deep into the heart of that man or woman, you need to get help. Uh, Maybe you need to find someone that you can trust to say this has gotten out of control. Maybe you need to have one hard conversation at the right time, soaked in prayer with that man or woman or that person that's close enough that this conversation needs to happen. Hello, discernment and wisdom. Uh, That is close enough that this conversation needs to happen. But for some of you, if you're walking through a toxic, and I mean abusive relationship, it's contagious. It's presenting to you what is normal, and it is not. And I'm asking that maybe you would pray differently in the days ahead and ask God where you could find some help, some counsel, set some new bounds. If this is you today and you listen and I say a short fuse and you were like, yep, that's me, uh, I want you to ask yourself a question. Do you, do you have people that are the closest to you that are afraid of you? Have you watched your children when something goes wrong, the cup flies off the table, and it was not intentional, and everyone gets quiet? Not like dad's going to get mad, but for some homes, there's something that's altogether different. And these should be neon signs and lights for you. This is something out of what is wise, outside of the bounds. Angry people are contagious. They teach others their actions. Uh, This oldest contagious pandemic that has been around for ever and ever is this idea of mismanaged and misplaced anger. So what does wisdom do to take a different path? Well, I think it avoids the excuse. It avoids the excuse. This last passage this morning, Proverbs 15, 18 says, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who, is slow, uh, he who is slow to anger quiets contention. There's this idea of reflecting the God that we serve again, slow to anger. Here is an option that we have. Wisdom is always p- positioned and posited as this slow to anger kind of response. So I want to ask a, a, a few questions around this last idea of uh, avoiding blaming a fuse. What does wisdom do? Well, wisdom helps me to avoid any excuse to justify any type of abuse. Helps me to avoid those excuses because I look to God as my definer for whether my anger is in check. It's too easy for us to say, listen, anger itself is not a sin. I'm I'm agreeing with you on that. But sometimes when we start with that as the premise, we never ask deeper and harder questions about whether we're out of bounds. And so I'm asking that we would, yes, agree that that is a true statement, and then move on and say, perhaps I choose anger that's less than righteous more often than not. I choose to act outside of what is honoring to God and what is blessing to others more often than not. And God, I don't want to do that. I want to be a man and woman uh, or a teenager that's wise. I want to be able to say there's no excuse if it brings some type of abuse into, into the lives of those that I love and that I, I want to be in relationship with. Let me ask a couple of probing questions as we end. Are you excusing your angry outbursts? 
Remember we read that quote earlier, there was never an angry man that thought his anger unjust. And especially right now, with the, the deep divisions that we struggle with, uh, it's almost as if no one can have an opinion because it's polarizing when you say it. Uh, and, and so I want us to consider this question today. Am I excusing my angry outbursts? Am I ever asking God to help me become slow to anger? Maybe we need to ask our spouse, is this an issue? Hey, do you see this in me? And, and have some honest dialogue. And, and then one final question that I want to leave you with today, and I don't know if this is um, something that some of you struggle with or not, but I want to ask the question, maybe uh, is your anger directed towards God? Is your anger misplaced, mismanaged? And if we see Jonah, this was a struggle for Jonah. God asked the question, are you right to be angry about this, about a plant that you did nothing to raise? He said, I am angry enough to die. That's what his response is. A heart response, right? This question is something that I think some of you need to probe. If, if it's not dealt with, listen, there will be family after family who walk through this pandemic who will choose to never return in a relational connection to a church when those days open up again because you can't get through this. You can't work through this. And let me say, God can handle your anger. If we read through the prophets, they said some scandalous things to God. Your soul cannot. Not long. There will come a time where you just simply say, I don't, and I'm not as concerned about the response that God is bringing me to. I'm not as moved in my heart because he allowed this season or this difficult time in life. And so I think the anger piece for us this morning is somewhere where we need healing, don't we? Um, we need healing in our relationships. We need healing in our country. Good grief. Uh, we need healing um, with those that we call friends. We need healing in our churches. And, uh, and so I'm going to pray for uh, uh, us as we end today, and then uh, I'll hand it over. Uh, after we pray, uh, I want the conversation to continue. Uh, I want you to consider asking those questions. It's probably not going to be a spouse conversation you have after the chaos of breakfast and lunch with your kids. Um, but if this is something, man or woman, that has really burdened you in your heart, you need to verbalize this to your spouse. Can I say it that strong? You need to ask the stinking question, is my anger hurting us more than helping us? That is not righteous anger. If your spouse is afraid of you, that's on you. And God wants to deal with that, and it's something that he can deal with. Uh, my prayer is that through his word, he begins to say, if we'd stop acting like a fool and stop giving excuses to why we react, uh, good things can be healed in our lives, all right? Father, thank you today for... Uh, the truth of your word, I'm grateful as we uh, open it that is, it's faithful. It gives us not just uh, a picture of who you are, um, but Father, we also begin to see uh, a little bit of a difference in what we are to look like and how we respond when it comes to uh, our life. And so I pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom uh, in how we would uh, react in day-to-day -day work. I pray you'd give us uh, wisdom in how we apply the truth of your word today. Father, heal us from our, our wounds, 
that are intentions of heart that divide husband and wife, friend to friend, person to person. Give us a, an ability to be a peacemaker. Quiet the contention that's around us, we pray in Jesus' name.